Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're here. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for that picture that uh, came through during the worship of that of that beach scene. It's still just sticking with me, Lord. That we can um, just even just relax here, Lord. We can relax in your presence and uh, and in this place of rest. That's kind of where the where you do the work on our heart that that we really need, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need to strive, but we can simply come just as we are. Even even in our in our mess and our brokenness, but we can simply come before you and and you welcome us in, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as as I share what I've prepared, Lord, that you would you'd speak to our hearts and, and what's of you and what you what you want to stick to for us today, that that would be what lands, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just going to read from John one nine. I don't have any any PowerPoint. I was thinking about how that's kind of a funny funny phrase, a eh? PowerPoint, and it's like if I don't have a PowerPoint, it's not doesn't have the power, doesn't have the powerpoints. Oh well, never mind. But hopefully you've got got your Bibles or an app or something like that handy. I'm um, just going to begin with uh, reading from a reading from John one, verse nine. <clears throat> John one verse nine it says, "The true light, which gives the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world." Actually, can someone turn on the light behind the cross? I think it got turned off before, but I think it's quite nice having that sort of like illuminated. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amazing passage, amazing passage. I'm sure, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know, I'm sure you've noticed that Christmas is coming up, and none of you had Christmas trees up yet. I think it's quite a cool challenge, eh? Yep. Uh, anyway, so Christmas is coming up. Uh, pack and save Petoni. That's this is like one of the first signs that Christmas is coming up. Pack and save Petoni. They set up a nativity scene out the front, and and you have uh, Jesus there, baby Jesus lying in a mount in a manger. In a manger, also known as a manger, surrounded by his parents and and these, yeah, it's quite. I don't know. It's you should go check it out if you haven't seen it. It's quite. It's uh, no, actually, don't. It's not as amazing as as it sounds. Uh, anyway, surrounded by his parents, it's behind these like perspex, um, you know, perspex wall thing. It's funny. Shepherds, wise men, and and when Eli saw it yesterday, he goes moo because there's favourite, you know, cows, cows there. But what's so amazing about this baby? It's it's crazy. What was so amazing about this his baby? Why do we celebrate his birth two thousand years later? The gospels, the gospels in the Bible, they talk all about his birth and and all the drama and mystical beauty of that moment that changed history. And one of the bits of information that stands out when you read these stories is is, the, is his names. 
when you read the first one or two chapters of each gospel, the baby is given various names, and each of these names they reveal something something uh, incredible about this about this baby. Who this baby was, what he would do, who he is today, and who he will be in the future. Uh, you know, we we are not quite, but we're moving into the season of, of Advent, which which means arrival. The arrival of Jesus, and it, and it kind of has these two meanings. One is the arrival of Jesus 2,000 years ago. And like we sang this morning, come, Lord Jesus, come. It also speaks of his, his arrival at his second coming, Advent. So over the next five Sundays, we're going to be paying attention to some of, to some of the names. Uh, Messiah and Christ, Emmanuel, Son of God, and then Beloved Son, but today, let's think, about, let's think about the name that's used by some people as a blessing and by some people as a curse or a swear word. It's, it's probably the most well-known name in all history. Do you ever, notice, do you ever take notice of, the, of those rankings uh, where they tell you the most popular baby names, you know, for the year? I, I looked it up. Last year, any guesses, actually? Last year for girls, any guesses? Yes, someone said Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. And boys? No. But it's interesting, eh? Is George popular? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure, I never really made the connection. Uh, Oliver. Oliver was the boys. I reckon that back, I haven't looked it up, but I reckon back in 1977, which, if you don't know, that was the year I was born, but I reckon back then, the most, one of the most popular names for boys would have been James. <laughs> 77. 77. It was quite long last year. In 1975, it might have been Nicholas. 77. I reckon it was James. And I reckon this because when I was at school, almost the entire way from primary school through to secondary school, there was always at least one and sometimes two other Jameses in all of my classes. So I was, I was always James B. Fortunately, there wasn't another James B. But there was, I remember this one kid, and he had the same middle name as well. Uh, which is William. So he was a, there was a James William uh, something else. We're basically the same person. So I reckon, and this is why I reckon that that year was a, was a really, really popular name. When, when Jesus was born, I wonder if we could kind of Google it. I reckon, I wonder if one of the most popular names for Jewish boys at that time was actually Jesus. And that's the name that we're looking at today, in case you haven't picked up on that. It was a common name. In the Bible, there are a few other, other Jesuses mentioned. Yeah. Uh, a, a friend of Paul's, an associate of the Apostle Paul's, was Jesus. One of Jesus' ancestors, one of his great-great-great-great-grandfathers was Jesus. And one of the most shocking, I think, is, is when Jesus was, was crucified and when he was executed, he, he actually was in the place of another Jesus, Jesus Barabbas. And I wonder if one of the reasons that it might have been a popular name is its meaning. Uh, so a bit of backstory, the, the, the Jewish people at the time um, at the time of Jesus, for the Jewish people at the time of Jesus, life was a mess. I, I know I've talked about it in previous years, but nativity scenes don't really capture the mess very well. It was a mess. It was, a, it was hard. They were, even though they were living in their own land, even though they were living in their land, they were living under Roman rule. The land of the Jews had been under foreign rule for a few hundred years since Alexander the Great had invaded around 330 BC. 
And they weren't treated all that well. There was no treaty. If they upset their Roman overlords, they would be punished. They would be severely punished or killed. They were an oppressed people. But they had this hope, or at least some of them had had this hope that God would come. God would save them. He would come one day, he'd set them free. He would send someone to save them, just as Moses was sent by God to set their ancestors free from slavery in Egypt more than a thousand years earlier. Jesus is the, is the Latin translation of the Jewish name Yeshua, which literally means Yahweh saves or the Lord God saves. Joshua. Is, is, is how we better know it, might better know it. So you might know a Joshua, and that comes from Yeshua, Yahweh saves. And I wonder if back then, 2,000 years ago, parents were naming their children Yeshua or Joshua or Jesus because they were remembering this hope and remembering, and they were calling on this hope that, G, that God would save them, that he would save them and liberate them from the, from the pagan invaders, the Romans, that he'd like pull them out from this mess and so with that in mind, just imagine what Jesus' parents would have thought when this angel of the Lord comes and tells them to name their special baby Jesus. So if you've got your Bible there, if you've got your app handy, then flick over to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So if you were in John, you've got to go back a few Gospels. Matthew 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That was, that was a welcome. <laughs> it's fine, Nancy. Don't worry. I was getting a bit emotional when I was reading because I was just thinking about how, uh, what a mess that is. You've got Mary and Joseph. They're not even married. And now Mary's pregnant and, and Joseph's going to divorce her. I'm like, this is a mess. There's layers, so many layers of mess that Jesus, that this baby Jesus is arriving into. The angel of the Lord says his name would be Jesus. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. So the angel saying he will save people, but there's no mention of saving them from, from the Roman occupiers, from the pagans, or from the difficulties that they're facing. Instead, Jesus will save people from their sins. He would indeed be their saviour, but he's, he's, he came, he's named, to, he's named this way. He, he came to come and save peoples to save us from the far more evil enemy 
the more destructive, the more vile, the more insidious enemy that crouches at our door and is the root of all the evil that we see in the world and, and even in ourselves. Gosh, James, lighten up. But this is, what, this is his name. He will save people from their sins. Imagine if they had that above the nativity scene at Back and Save. Jesus, who's going to save people, who's here to save people from their sins. Wouldn't go down so well, I don't think. So this baby boy, he had the same name as all the other kids in his class at Nazareth High School. I was just imagining him going to school and having all these other Jesuses in his class. He's got the same name as all these other kids in his class. But he would be the one through whom God's salvation would come. And then it's, and it's amazing to me. So we have these stories of the beginning of Jesus' life. And then we have these stories of when he's like about 30 years old. But then we have this big hidden period. It's amazing that most of his life is hidden from us. Like there's, like there's all these details about his birth that we can, you know, make nativity scenes from. And there's a story or two from his childhood. And, and in one of them, um, I was thinking about this, and it was making me laugh. Like, in one of them, Jesus, Jesus gets lost. Well, he's not lost, but his parents don't know where he is. It turns out that he's, he's hanging out in, in the temple, you know, his father's house. But he's gone missing. They don't know where he is. And I can imagine them, like, going through the clouds going, Jesus, Jesus, where are you? And all these boys going, here I am, here I am. Anyway... All of his, like most of his life is hidden away from us. There's pretty much nothing about his life until he's about 30 years, 30 years away. So here he is, this, this boy that grew up into a man, and he's hidden away with this ordinary, common name. He had an ordinary name, but he was extraordinary. We know that he lived a sinless life. Or maybe it's better to think of him as being free from sin, a sin-free life. He, he was not guilty. He was not oppressed like the rest of us. Jesus can only save people from sins if, if he's free from sins. You know, you might have heard that phrase, you can only lead people where you've been before or something like that. Well, Jesus, he can lead us into freedom from sins because he is completely free. All of his life is, was worship and surrender to God. All of his life was worship and surrender to God. And the, and the place of freedom and light. He lived free from sin and he took our true enemy of sin, he took enemy, our enemy head on, undoing the worst effects of sin. So he lived, he lived it out, delivering people from demons, inviting the, the downtrodden and the messed up people to dinner healing the sick and raising the dead. Like these, this is restoration. This was undoing, undoing brokenness, which is, which is the toxic fruit of sin. It's sin when you, when you think about it. It's, you know, we sometimes think, oh, sin is just when you do things that God doesn't like. But, but it's got a much, it's got a, it's got a bigger meaning than that. It's, um, the first commandment hey, is about having God as, as number one. And when we have anything else as number one in our life, then that, then that is sin. And actually, when you think about it, everything that we do that, um, that, that does not have God 
at the top is actually the thing. It's, it's like idolatry and it, and it is sin. So I can think about that a bit more later on. So Jesus, he, he, undoes, he undoes the brokenness, the toxic fruit of sin. And then we have this like the most dramatic contrast. So at the end of December, we, we celebrate baby Jesus' arrival, his advent. But, it, but his life mission would lead to the brutality and the shame of the cross. You know, it's great that we, you know, were able to take communion this morning and think about that. His life mission would lead to the brutality and shame of the cross, and, and it's really hard to make sense of it, but the cross is the point at which he, he conquered the enemy. He defeated sin and defeated, he defeated death in his resurrection. The, um, the Bible says that death is swallowed up in victory, and he continues setting people free from sin. He continues setting people free saving us from our sins. He continues welcoming us into the family of God. Uh, as I read earlier from um, John chapter 1, to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So today, if we, we, we choose to receive him, we choose to believe him, he gives us the right to be like him. Children of God, born not, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. So I, I spend um, some of my week working here at, at CV, and then uh, two days a week working up at Victoria University. And, and I joke that here at CV, when people say Jesus, it's, it's usually because we're, we're praying or worshipping or something like that. Um, but when people say Jesus at my other work, it's usually for, for different reasons, right? I'm sure that you've kind of got the same experience wherever you are. In my other, in my other workplace, his name is not honoured or revered. And it, and it can be sometimes like, oh my goodness, like you'll be in a meeting and um, something frustrate, you know, someone's frustrated about something and they say, you know, they say Jesus Christ or something like that. And it's like, oh, hang on a second. Don't you know that's, 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 that's the God that I worship? <laughs> and it can be hard, right? It can be hard. It can be hard to hear the name of my Lord and Saviour used in a, in a degrading way. But as I've sort of been thinking about that, I, I, it, it speaks, it also speaks of how incredible God is. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation, he said this, Jesus is the descent of God to our lives, just as they are, not the ascent of our lives to God, hoping he might approve when he sees how hard we try. Jesus is extraordinary, and he took on this ordinary common name. He was born in the most humble of circumstances. And, and, you know, when you read, even when you read the Gospels, it seems like apart from his parents, the only people that actually noticed were shepherds, sheep herders who were nearby, and a, and a bunch of foreign wise men. They were the only ones that noticed. <laughs> that the King of kings, the Lord and creator of the universe, the word through, through which all things were created was born. You know, God took on human flesh, and, but he's born as a baby and he was laid in a, in a manger. And a manger is a, a trough for feeding animals. And it's like, like all this ordinariness. 
Even his death, I'll try to, I'll try to unpack this a little bit. His death, like it's, it's shocking for us to think, about, to think about the crucifixion. Absolutely shocking for us. Shocking for us to comprehend, like, how is that possible that anybody would be crucified? But back then, it was ordinary. Crucifixion was a common method for executing criminals. The, the Romans crucified thousands of people, possibly hundreds of thousands of people. It, it, wasn't, for the, it wasn't for the worst. It wasn't for the most infamous of people. And yet it still was considered to be the most brutal and, and shameful ways to die. So I have, I have this contrast, like this contrast. Like we go, Jesus, he's our God, he's our Lord, and yet he was born in like these humble circumstances, hidden, hidden away, not noticed by hardly anybody. And then even, his, even in his death, it's like, I thought, oh, it was a few weeks ago, some of, the, some of the Fuse kids, I don't know, they might have asked you questions, and uh, some, one of them came in and asked me, what does the, what does the resurrection mean? And, it, and I said, oh, you know, if you think about it, it's like, it's everything. It's everything. If Jesus, if, Jesus wasn't, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, if he didn't come back, if he didn't defeat death in his resurrection, then we, wouldn't have, we would never have heard about him. This man, this, this man is one of many who died on a cross. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. And he said this, this is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, it's a powerful chapter. He said, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men, men hid their, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Ah, waterworks! Goodness. <laughs> so when when people take Jesus' name in vain, doesn't it remind us of the goodness of God, and speak of the reality of what He has done for us? How low, how low he has come in order to save us. So rather than being offended, I wonder, rather than being offended and upset, we could, we could actually use these moments to inspire us to worship our humble king and go, God, thank you for revealing yourself to me. Hidden away from, hidden away from so many people and you've revealed, he's revealed himself to me and he's, he's revealed himself to you. Even though the world was made through him, the world did not know him, but we do. Or at least he's inviting us to. So we kind of go into this into the season of Christmas and there's like there'll be loads of decorations, there'll be probably lots of nativity scenes, there'll be Christmas sales going on in the shops, there'll be songs that are gonna be on high repeat. <laughs> What's that German word for that? Ohrwurm or something? Is that right? Earworm? Uh, anyway, there's songs on high repeat. You go, oh my goodness, I don't want to hear that song ever again. We'll ask Caleb Carney to sing Oh Holy Night. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> stuff like that. And some of the some of the stuff, a lot of that stuff, it just seems to be light years away from what we read in the Gospels of Jesus' birth, right? It just seems to be so far away. And it can be really easy, at least I think it can be easy for me, and maybe you can relate to this, is to get a bit annoyed, a bit frustrated with it all. Give me a wave if you kind of like that. I know some people are really into it. There's a few people. I get a bit annoyed, eh? And yet I've kind of been a bit challenged. I reckon God is going to speak to us through this time. He's going to speak to us through this time. He's going to reveal aspects of himself that we haven't seen before. And so we can kind of go into the season actually going, you know, I'm, I'm 45. I've, I've had a lot of Christmases. Not as many as, okay, I won't say, but anyway, not as many as some of you. But um, we can go into this time going, God, you can reveal something new to me, even through the decorations and all of this stuff that is kind of happening. Like yesterday, this is a little story. Yesterday I went to Pack and Save, and I was just in a hurry to get some shopping done. I had, had little, little Eli with me. And I just want to kind of rush in. I'm holding his hand, rushing in. And then he sees like the Christmas trees and the lights out, out front. And all of a sudden he's pulling me over there. Like. And, he, and he goes like this because when he sees a light, he goes, I'll try to do it properly. So I don't want to re- re- misrepresent you, Eli. Bly, bly. It's his way of saying light. Bly. First thing in the morning, bly. So, you know, we see these Christmas trees with the lights, and he goes, blah, blah, and he's like going up to them, trying to taste them, <laughs> trying to have a, seriously, he wants to put everything in his mouth, drags me over to have a closer look. He sees something wonderful that I'm just in a hurry to miss, hurry to kind of avoid, actually. Oh, God, and so I'm like pausing that moment, going, yes, like God, I don't know, you know, he's, he's the light in the darkness. He's the light in the middle of a pack and save car park, all right? Every day, every day, Jesus reveals something of himself to us that we can so easily, just way too easily miss. We see the mess of our lives. This is like where Henry, what you said, actually kind of taps into something for me. We We can see the mess of our lives. We can see the mess of our society. But what does Jesus see? The circumstances that he was born into were far, far worse. I mean, you walk, you walk through town and sometimes it can be a bit discouraging when you see some of the things that are going on, some of the decisions that our, that our society is making, some of the directions that our society, society seems to be going in, into. And we go, oh, God, we're so messed up or whatever. But Jesus was born into a far worse situation, <laughs> far worse situation, and to that mess he comes. And he comes in surprising, unexpected, and sometimes even hidden ways. And he comes to bring salvation. He comes to bring salvation from our sins. So even, even in the sort of like the daily, like the mundane, the, the routine things that we might find ourselves doing, cleaning toilets, vacuuming, wiping disgusting things off babies' bottoms <laughs> that I don't want to describe too much because I got in trouble last week. <laughs> Not too much trouble. Right, but even, even in these moments, we're like, I don't know, we can, I think God will speak to us. Speaking to us. At the start, I spoke, I read from John chapter 1. And I love to read, I love to read it again, but the, reading from the message translation. <clears throat> 
So the, the message translation renders that passage. So it was John chapter 1, verse 18, I think it was. Oh, sorry, John chapter 1 from verse 9. This is how it renders it. The life light was the real thing. So we might see lights, you know, decorations, all that kind of thing. But we go, oh, but Jesus, Jesus is the real thing. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice, which is the same today. He came to his own people but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God begotten. Not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. <laughs> he moved into our neighbourhood. Uh, Strawn, Strawn Coleman, who's a, a musician, poet, thinker, writer, friend of Taylor's, he, he, he lives up north, and he wrote this. He says, The more I look at God, the more I wake up to the fact that if he is so ordinary that he can be mistaken for a man, then maybe his work in my life can be so ordinary that it looks like nothing in particular to anyone else. I found that really encouraging. We, we, can, we can look for like, sort of like high, high moments. And we absolutely, we can look for those sorts of things. Like, you know, coming to church on a Sunday, we might expect a sort of like a high moment when we come to church or maybe going to a conference or something like that. But even in, even in the in the mundane and the in the routine and the and the going to work where people take Jesus' name in vain, going to the supermarket, wherever it is, God is at work, and uh, and it would I think we would um, I think there's treasure to be found when we almost like we we kind of like try to do what we can to remove distractions occasionally in a day to maybe stop listening to. Um, Preaching podcasts or whatever you listen to. I'm sure you're listening to preaching podcasts. Whatever, you know. You almost like go, okay, God, kind of where are you at? What's going on at the moment? I feel like the Lord wants to encourage, bring encouragement today. Because sometimes we can we can kind of like see our see our lives, um, and we can we can feel like we can feel like failures. We can like we we can think oh we're we're failing at life in general because you know the standards are quite high, but we can we can feel like we're failing at life in general, or we might feel like we're failing at life at being a Christian. We might feel like we're failing at life following God. might go, oh God, I'm, I'm such a mess. I'm completely failing. I don't actually know how to get out of this mess. And yet, 
we come into Christmas and we go, like Jesus was born in, into mess. Born into mess. Imagine what was, imagine the kinds of things that might have been on the ground around him when he was laying in the manger. Imagine the smells. The other day I was, I was thinking a lot about this and, and I felt God speaking to me, saying, you know, because I was just thinking about, oh God, I'm a, I'm a mess. Um, and I was thinking, and this is what I felt God say, say to me. Man of dust. Man of dust, do you think I'm dismayed by your disobedience? Oh my goodness, what's going on this morning? Man of dust, do you think I'm dismayed by your disobedience? And then eventually I replied something like this. I said, Jesus, you were born of dirt too. My brokenness is not a surprise to you. Into this mess you came and continue to come. Should we pray? Should we pray? Jesus, it's such a it's such an honour to be able to, to be able to talk about you today. To be able to talk about your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your presence here with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you that you came that you came to earth. Thank you for your for your advent. Thank you that you you were you were born of dirt too. Born of flesh, born of blood. That Jesus, even now, even now, even though you're ascended and, and in and in the heavenly places, you are still flesh and blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the way that you lived your life. Thank you for the, that you didn't seek attention. You didn't seek fame. Thank you, Lord, when the, when the devil tempted you and said, you can have it all if you just bow down and worship me, Lord, that Jesus, that you didn't take, you didn't do that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived your, lived your life in, in beautiful surrender and submission to God, your Father. And our Father, thank you, Jesus, that you came and you and you set us free from our sin. And and I know we go on sinning, Lord, and you come and you come to set us free. Thank you, Jesus, that you you don't come to condemn or to lay burdens on our backs or to make us feel more and more guilty, but instead you come to set us free and you meet us in our just as we are, Lord. Whether we feel good or whether we feel bad, whether we feel like we've got it all together or we feel like we're messed up and we don't know where to go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you're not dismayed by our disobedience, that you've seen far worse. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing and thank you, Jesus, that as in the season, even in the season of Advent, that you're going to be re- revealing 
aspects of yourself that we've never seen before, Lord. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray that even now you'd come and you'd uh, almost you'd like illuminate, just as we've kind of got that cross illuminated this morning, that you'd illuminate uh, aspects of yourself to us, God. Thank you, Jesus, that your, your name means Yahweh saves and that you came to set us free from our sins. I just feel like this morning that um, the Lord actually uh, was almost like inviting us um, to, to, to be set free. Um, and um, rather than doing this in a really, really public way, so inviting you all forward if you if you feel like you've got major sins going on. No, what we can do is almost like if, if, that, if that's something you relate to, like you've kind of got stuff going on in your life and you're going, oh, God, I want to be free from this. And uh, you can, as any way you want to, but I, I kind of wonder about you might want to put your hand even on your heart and, um, and we just pray into that, Lord. Hey, Jesus, we, we, can, we confess our sins to you. Jesus, Jesus, we've we've made mistakes. Even this week, we've made mistakes. Jesus, there's uh, there's things that we're we're chained up with, and we're not we're not walking free from. But your name is Jesus, and you came to save people from their sins. So would you come and save us from our sins and set us free, even this morning? So some of you might even be like feeling a sense of the Lord's presence now, like there's might be a sense of peace or even even lightness. Because chains are chains are broken. I was going to talk this morning about the power of Jesus' name. But just know this there is power in his name. To break chains. To bring freedom. So in Jesus' name, I speak to those chains to be broken, for there to be for there to be freedom, for addictions to be broken, for futile thinking to be broken. And instead, I want to say the year of the Lord's favor, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, a new season of walking in, in freedom. In your name, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you.